All right, we're in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, good evening to you all. And uh, we've been looking at the prayers of Paul, the Apostle. And we've been going through just a few of those little snippets of prayer requests and verses that deal with prayer that Paul wrote and kind of building our study off of that the last few weeks. And I came across an illustration not long ago reading about a missionary who was working in a tribe in Africa and most of the people of the village that he was working in had been converted and they really got a hold of prayer and for a while the, uh, they understood that to pray, you're best to just go off on, in a solitary place and pray like the Lord did. And so many of the men had taken and they would leave the village and they had made a path to a special place in the jungle and they would pray. And each man had a special place and he would go and do that. The only problem is that when you make a path or you, you have a path that's well worn, I mean, it shows that you're praying. But every now and again, someone would stop praying and their path would get overgrown. And somebody would come along and have to go to a brother and say, Brother, your, your path is uh, full of weeds again and it's not being used. How come? And I thought about that. I thought, well, that's maybe we should have something like that, right? We don't. But what does your path to prayer look like? You know, if uh, someone was to come along today and to say, uh, where have you been? You know, have you been in prayer? What's your prayer life like? Uh, if you take a study of prayer and you look at some of the things about prayer, of course, prayer, at least on the surface, is held as a valuable thing, even in the United States and still in Canada as well. And most Americans, a good majority of them, actually say they pray regularly. Now, I don't know how exactly and who do they, they all pray, but uh, in a Barna poll that was conducted a while back that um, one of the questions was, and it was around 80% that of people in America that said that they prayed regularly, and about 70% of them believed that God answered certain prayers. So a, a sizable majority there. Uh, in asking what they prayed for, or in those areas, uh, 95 expressed a gratitude to God, so it could be as simple as praying and saying thank you for the meal. Uh, 76 asked God to forgive particular sins. 61% made specific requests of God. And then 12% prayed in tongues and said they didn't really know what they prayed for necessarily. So uh, letting God do that. And that was all in that Barna survey. And uh, uh, you agree with it or not agree with it. That's just the facts of the survey of that. And Paul uh, talks about prayer. And I, I like to go back to the simple teaching of the scriptures and just look at the pattern there, and not necessarily the pattern of each other, because there are good habits that we have, and there's sometimes bad habits we have, and there are people that pray amiss, and you don't want a pattern after that. So we want to go to the Scriptures first and foremost, for sure. Let's begin reading in Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 2 to 4. Paul writes, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the word of God. We're thankful for this prayer that is recorded here in the book of Colossians. And 
We ask, God, that you would open it to us tonight. And again, you would teach us to pray, as, Lord, you have promised to do. And we thank you for the the scriptures and for the pattern of Christ. And may we certainly pattern our own lives as disciples after our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come there to that first uh, statement where Paul says, uh, continue earnestly in prayer with uh, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And there are some effective ways of praying. I want to look at this and just break this down in the moments that we have. And the first one is very simply be devoted to prayer. Back to the the path. Uh, You know, it's one thing to go and pray occasionally or even once a week, but are we doing it daily? Are we going before the Lord regularly? And I think that is a must for a disciple. Uh, because if you don't draw near to the Lord, and, and, and you cannot, by the way, lead other people beyond where you're at, right? And we're called to go make disciples. And it, that's, I believe that's for everybody. And that's not just for you know, missionaries, not just for preachers, uh, pastors, or something like that. But I think all Christians are called to be involved in making disciples. That doesn't mean you know, there are people, I, I know there are people that are more you know, people-oriented, and they, they're more leader-oriented and things like that, and you may not be, but you should be involved in some way in the process of making disciples, even if it means just praying for others who are involved in that directly, in the front line of that. Um, but it also could be many different areas, and we aren't looking at that topic necessarily tonight, but in everything from our giving to our, our, our uh, support in any way we can and encouragement of others Uh, hospitality all those areas that you can be involved in to help make disciples but prayer probably is the 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 preeminent area and it is the area that we need to work on and we need to be praying uh, again vigilantly uh, and earnestly as it says here and the word earnest means with devotion and other translations say it that way devote yourselves to prayer uh, so it's and you think of someone who has devotion, it means that they're really in on it, right? They're not just back and you know cheering somebody else on, but they're involved in it as well. And Paul begins with that whole idea of devotion. The Greek word that is used there means to grab a hold of something and not let go. All right. So think of that as what you need to be doing in prayer. And I, I often think of it almost like wrestling with, as Jacob with the Lord. Remember, the angel of the Lord, he wrestles with him overnight. And, you know, just the idea of wrestling somebody all night is crazy. And that just shows how stubborn Jacob was. He, he was a stubborn man. And, and we're sometimes stubborn, but he can be used in a good way. And, and he wrestles with none other than God himself. Uh, he, he doesn't know it's a man he's wrestling with, and he's wrestling and wrestling. And then it says at the end, you know, it was called the angel of the Lord. I believe it was a pre-incarnate Christ, is what, or a, a Christophany or a theophany, however you want to use that term. And at the end, he calls the place Peniel, the, the place where he saw God face to face. So again, we know that that is none other than God himself that he was wrestling with. And in the process of that, you see how Jacob would not give up until the Lord blessed him. And the Lord blessed him, sort of not in a way Jacob probably wanted him to. He blessed him, but what happened? Remember? Touched what? His hip, yeah. All of a sudden he walked funny, right, Mike? I mean, that happens. And 
Or do you want to, you know, most of us don't want to have to walk with a cane or walk with a limp. And from that moment on, for the rest of Jacob's life, he walked differently. For a Christian who wrestles with God and, and understands that, you know, and by the way, the great thing that happened to Jacob during that wrestling match is that Jacob saw his own weakness and that even though he wrestled all night, he didn't prevail, did he? God had him right where he wanted him and pinned him and touched his thigh. And because of that, he walked differently. And, you know, when we pray with God, we walk differently after that. And we may not walk, you know, uh, again, sometimes our weaknesses draw us closer to the Lord. And certainly I think in Jacob's life, that's the case. And he was not a perfect man by any means, uh, did a lot of be- uh, wrong things. But God used him and blessed him and blessed him in ways that only God could do. But be devoted to prayer. Continue earnestly. Grab hold of prayer. Don't let go of it. And when I think of that, don't let go of it. That's, uh, that's the easiest thing I can do. Because there are a hundred things that will come your way in the course of a day. And when it comes to prayer, it's the, in my life, it's the easiest thing to put on the shelf for the day and say, I'll come back to that. And it doesn't happen. And something else comes. And then you wonder why your day is so busy and crazy and hectic and all this. And you say, well, you know, I didn't pray. I really believe that there should be much time spent in prayer. Even if it means, you know, we go without sleep or we go without watching television. Oh my, you know, God forbid, right? Or something like that. Spend some time in prayer. Be vigilant. Get a hold of it. And then also, be watchful in prayer. He says, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And other translations, again, uh, translate that, be watchful. uh, Watching always. And it is the idea of being alert. And the word itself means to stay awake. All right? Oh boy. Uh, It's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? And uh, especially you work long hours and all of a sudden you sit down and it's hard to stay awake. I remember in Bible school uh, years ago, there was a group of us that would meet every night. We'd have a word of prayer together and uh, maybe 20 minutes of prayer time before we all turned in and when we were in the dorms. And um, one night, uh, a round of prayer went on and went on. And, and uh, next thing I know, I was alone in my room and I was still kneeling on my chair and by my chair. And all my, my dear brothers had left. And kind of snickering in the hallway and thought I was extra spiritual that night but I I had fallen asleep and sometimes the flesh is weak isn't it the spirit might be willing but the flesh is weak and that's not so much what the concern is here with Paul as he says this but be watchful be alert that means be ready for the prayer you know a, a, a prayer meeting to break out be ready for an opportunity to pray be ready to intercede be watchful for dangers that come our way. All that is part of it. And you picture it as someone who is, uh, you know, like on sentry duty and they're keeping a keen eye on something. And when you are in close proximity to the Lord and know him, you know what? He allows you in on things that others don't see. And I, I'm just delighted at those times where he has shown me something and he wouldn't have shown it to me unless I went to him and asked. And I'm glad for that. But be watchful. And honestly, a lot of prayer or prayerlessness occurs simply because people are lazy and don't want to 
or that we're selfish. We'd rather do something else. And prayer takes work. Prayer takes devotion, as I've already said. And there are lots of other things that come along. But you see, we need to have fervent kind of prayers, right? Isn't that what the book of James says? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I think of that because the, there, are a lot, there are lots of prayers that go up. I mean, hey, 80% of Americans pray regularly, right? How many of them are praying fervently? And the word there meaning to boil over. Your prayers boil over, you know? Not blow up boiling, but actually boil over. In other words, uh, you can't leave a, a boiling pot on the stove indefinitely. You've got to do something with it, right? And I think the same thing with the praying saint. When a praying saint is bubbling up with, uh, with prayer and the Lord is uh, using them, uh, you, you just can't leave someone alone like that. God won't. And he, he moves and he does great things. And I'm, again, thankful for that. I think of the difference. Sometimes our prayer life is, you know, it's the difference between someone who's on guard duty in, you know, on an air base in, in Afghanistan or someone who's sitting in the mall on the overnight shift, you know. I worked in the mall once. I did a, a summer as a mall security guard, okay. And I worked a night shift in the Bangor Mall. And it was the most boring job I've ever had. It's enough to go to the mall and just walk the mall. When there's people there, it's worse when there's nobody there. And it's just you. And, you know, I'd look up, oh, there's a car in the parking lot. Wow. You know, that was my excitement for the night. You know, but it's a little different when you're, when you're on guard duty somewhere and there's a potential of the enemy sneaking in and not only getting you, but getting someone else. You're a little bit more alert. And I'll tell you, that's how the Christian should be. We should be watching with a vigilant attitude. We should be alert. We should be seeing you know, any dangers that are coming our way and all those things. Last week we talked about wisdom and discernment. That comes in being vigilant. Look what he says onto. He says, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And I think that, again, should be the attitude that uh, prayer brings us to the Lord. And, and one of the great things of getting closer to the Lord is that we're thankful. By the way, going away from the Lord, we're unthankful. You look at Romans chapter 1, and the, you see there the, I call it the, the devolution, the going away from God, right? And you have all those sins that are mentioned. But one of the things it says there is, neither were they thankful. And when man becomes unthankful, it's because he's not accountable in his heart to the, the God who's given him all blessings beyond measure. And, and we can be thankful in the worst of circumstances. As Paul is writing this, he's writing it from a prison, okay? I mean, he's thankful for where he's at. Being watchful and thankful. I think I have it in another version here. It says this. Uh, well, I have... Uh, Luke 18.1, because being vigilant and watchful, uh, you know, there's times you can lose heart. In Luke 18.1, Jesus puts it this way, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Jesus said the same thing Paul said. Um, or I should say, Paul said the same thing Jesus said. Jesus wasn't looking to Paul and saying, Oh, I like that, I'm going to use it. You know, It was the other way around. Okay, And uh, we see that. And Paul writes, uh, pray without ceasing, right? Uh, you want to start memorizing scripture? That's a good one to start with. It's simple verse, right? Pray without ceasing. It's like Jesus wept. Short, simple. It says a lot. 
And we find uh, that's a good verse, right? That should be our attitude that we're ready in a moment's notice to give thanks. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That's the New Living Translation for the same verse there, Colossians 4.2. And again, that's the idea of being thank you and saying thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for those areas. And uh, every now and again, I, I come across someone, that's, that's the way they are. It just, you can tell, everything that comes their way, good or bad, they praise the Lord for it. And I've I've learned some of that, but I've not learned it perfectly. And I'll tell you, it's as some put it, the attitude of gratitude. That's what we need, an attitude of gratitude. In that, we go to the next uh, section here, and uh, you have we need to be devoted to prayer. We need to be watchful in prayer. We need to be thankful in prayer. Those three areas in the previous section, but then there are four ways to focus our prayers, and this is the next verses here. And um, the first one is this. He says, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. And what Paul writes here is very simply that um, when you come together, and that's what it means praying also for us, they actually in the Greek meaning with us. So that when you come together, pray with us and pray for us. Remember us. And that's, uh, again, Colossians 4.3. And he says that God would open to us a door for the word or a door of utterance. And we're to do that. And I think the one way to focus our prayers, and we do it, hopefully anyways, uh, Al gets up here every week and he reads prayer letters. And I hope that's not just empty words. Uh, those are from some of our missionaries and people, what I would call on the front lines of ministry. Uh, they're in places like, Glen Allen, Alaska, where most of us will probably never go and have never, never have a need to go, all right? It's not a place that you just go and say, I'm going to go visit that. Now, some of you have, right? But uh, it's out there in the far remote, remote corners, middle of nowhere, and, or, or somewhere like in the Philippines or India or whatever. But we will go places. And the big thing is this. We need to be, tonight, we can go to every one of those places, and pray. Pray for some of those needs. Pray for Iwana clubs in Glen Allen. Wow. And the kids that are going on there and the and the the workers that are needed. And for Bob Sloma and Donna Sloma and others like them that are no doubt feeling the burden of things. And I can't remember how many miles, what they four thousand miles, something like that they took put on. Yeah, forty three hundred miles that they put on to come back and forth and all that that's a lot of miles i wouldn't want to do that all right but you can pray for people in um in frontline positions we need to and by the way pray for an open door we know who holds the door right Revelation 3, 7, Jesus' words here, And to the angel of the church at Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. You know, you can pray for faraway places also and people in faraway places and you can pray for people right here. Uh, there are many in this church that are in frontline ministry, you know, and all of us should be in some way. 
being a part of that. God is able to provide, and by the way, He opens up doors, He shuts doors, and I'll come to that a little bit further on because I believe that there are places in our world today, first of all, I don't believe there's a, there's a myth, and I just say this, there's a myth of a closed door in our world. We hear that sometimes. There are countries that are closed to the gospel, and I say this, there's no closed doors with God when He opens them. All right, That means that place like North Korea where you can't go and be a missionary if you have tried and end up in prison or dead and um, that that country could be wide open tomorrow if God wanted it he could do it tonight if God wanted it in that way of course he wants it but I mean if he if he so willed it I should say if um, and we ought to be praying in in that that an open door would be given for utterance if Paul made that prayer request that means that that's how we should pray now, Paul's in chains at the time, and, and I think he's saying that, I'm, I'm Lord, you know, help me. <laughs> and you guys pray for me that I can say the right things, to say the gospel and preach it the way I should, even when you're in chains. Well, we should be praying for places like North Korea and Saudi Arabia and, you know, other places of the world where the gospel has not penetrated very easily. But it's there, and I marvel at that. I, I think I've shared before, <clears throat> I remember, I won't uh, say which country, but um, uh, actually uh, the woman is not there anymore, but there was a, a lady missionary. She went as a physical trainer. That was her uh, actual college degree that she had. And she went to serve in one of the Arab countries that is closed, completely closed to missionary Christian missionary activity. And she got a... Um, a job as a trainer in a very high-end gym and it was uh, in the, this particular country you didn't train you know with men so it was women that would come to this gym and she ended up having a bible study every week at the invitation of one of the royal i guess you'd say queens they they are part of the harem many wives some of these guys have and one of them was a Western-trained woman who uh, spoke perfect English, all that. And when she met this young Christian lady, she said, you have to come and share this with other people. And she brought her into the royal palace, and every week they had a Bible study. Now, this is only a few years ago, all right? And if I, it is a country that is closed, all right? I mean, closed. You cannot go there for religious purposes other than um, if you're a Muslim. That's it. So to say God is, uh, and by the way, she was able to get that because she was a woman. And God, uh, a man could not get into those, those places like that. But because she was a woman, the men said, you know, she's of no harm. <laughs> Let her do it. Let her do it. And you know how God uses that? Huh? He can take uh, uh, the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. The gospel can penetrate into the middle of a palace in a closed country so-called God can provide doesn't he doesn't he provide he says in uh, Colossians 4 4 and this is again he says that I may uh, make it manifest as I ought to speak and that's also part of it and I guess before I do that I want to revisit this idea of uh, go back to Colossians uh, 4 3 he says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. 
Sometimes the times when God wants to show up the most and show his power the most is in the worst of times. And here Paul is in one of the low parts of his life. I mean, physically. He is in prison. Um, He's there really because he's a Christian. That's why, in the end. I mean, if he had just stayed in the comfy life of being a Pharisee, he would have been uh, probably a well-respected Jewish leader somewhere back in Jerusalem. But no, he went and followed Jesus. It led a lot of trouble, but it was worth it. All worth it in every way. And God's like that. I think that when we have trouble that comes and we call out to him, he delights in showing up to show off his power. I came across an illustration of Dwight Moody. I always marvel at the ministry of D.L. Moody because he was a very simple man. As he put it in of himself, not very well educated. He did not have any seminary training. He was a self-educated man, if you would call it that. It was really God just gave him the Bible and he learned it, you know. But he took what he had and he went out. And he, uh, he was a man that would go anywhere. And during the Civil War, the American Civil War, D.L. Moody was often found uh, at the battlefront at various times ministering to people. And later on, Ira Sankey, who joined him later in his, his evangelistic outreach, uh, was actually in the Civil War himself as a, an enlisted man. And, but the Civil War, of course, uh, almost everything in America went on hold. And in the spring of 1862, after one particularly fierce battle, D.L. Moody and a group of Christian workers went to the battlefield after both sides had withdrawn and moved on. Okay, And after the couple days after the battle, they went and there were just groups of men that had been wounded. And they were so, some of them so severely wounded, they, they couldn't move uh, very far on their own. So they were just left there. And nobody was really taking care of them other than a few that could help maybe nurse them and things like that. But they couldn't house them, couldn't take care of them or anything like that. And Moody was greatly moved to see these men who had not eaten in days, some of them. And as he went around ministering to these groups of men that were there, uh, he, he stopped with the group of Christian workers and they prayed God would provide food for them that evening. And it was in the evening when he was doing that. And one of the workers later said they doubted how God would ever provide food for these men because when armies moved into these regions, they they basically would go into the towns around them and they would take all the provisions from people and they would eat it, you know, and leave people with almost nothing. I mean, that's the way the armies were fed and supported. And all of a sudden they went to bed that night and the next morning at sunrise... Off on the horizon came a, wa- a wagon coming down the road, and it was a fully loaded wagon. And when the guy got closer, it was a fully loaded wagon full of bread, fresh bread. And the man pulled up to the group that was there, these Christian workers with D.L. Moody, and he relayed to them that the previous evening he had tried to go to sleep, but he couldn't. And he says, I could not think of anything but the men who were here starving to death on the front. And he said, I, I could not go to bed as hard as I tried. He says, I knew the, milita- the armies had moved on. But he said, I, I woke my wife up and together we baked bread all night. And he said, I woke my neighbors up and they did the same. And we've loaded everything we could into this wagon and can you use it? <laughs> Listen, God delights in that kind of stuff. When we, we just call out to him, God, we're in an impossible situation. Can you do it? 
Amen. Amen. You know? The time and time again are those kind of things. And that's what faith does, doesn't it? I, uh, I love those kind of stories. I really do. Because it just spurs me on. And we're not far removed from it, you know? Uh, the building on the other end of this one, you know, our fellowship hall, right? Somebody was telling me that story again this week. And again, the town originally told Pastor Gruppel, you'll never get that, you'll never get that building. But he prayed over it, and, and we do have it. And others prayed also. And I just say, Lord, you're like that. Don't, don't say it's impossible. <clears throat> for boldness. He says that God would open to us a door for the word. And to speak uh, the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. And then he says in verse 4, that I may make it manifest or known as I ought to speak. And I, I like that as I ought to speak. It, there are we, reasons we don't speak up. Christ sometimes we think I just can't I'm like Moses right Moses is I'm not eloquent go to my brother Aaron he's the he's the talker right Moses wasn't the talking but God had his man he knew who it was and sometimes we just need to rely on the Lord to give us those words in spite of our human lack of words and wisdom and everything else but the other is that we just sometimes fear fear of rejection fear of persecution fear of uh uh, of just getting it wrong, right? And Paul wraps that up in this prayer. What does he ask for? Not that you get me out of jail, right? He's in chains. He didn't ask for that. He said, pray that I might speak as I ought. And we need to do that. That's the for clarity and the presenting of the gospel. And I could ask that prayer request of myself. When I get up here on Sunday morning, particularly because that's Usually I focus on Sunday morning, uh, if I can, I try to work the gospel in every week. And, and I'll tell you, I don't always say it the way I wish I could, you know. But I say, Lord, you give me some way to say that, and may, it make it, may you make it known, as only you can. And I need that kind of praying back, you know, the, the, the backup, I should say. People that can do that. And we should be praying to that end as well, and to do it. And again, you can pray and change the world. Actually, I have a book in my library, and I think that's what it says. Uh, it says, change the world through prayer. And it's, it's highlights of regions of the world that you can pray for specific needs. And it's a little out of date right now, but it's not terribly out of date. And I was going through that not long ago and looking at it and saying, Lord, uh, you're at work in my world. And every day there's new people in the world and there's people that have left this world. And in between, we're responsible for the generation that is here. You've given it to us in that. I think of Paul, and I end with this, when he was in the book of Corinthians, he talked about the Corinthian church. And i really amazed at that whole story of Corinth. He's there 18 months. But he says, For a great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Paul recognized that there was a great door of opportunity, huge door that was open, you know, for a door that he could go in and, and do things. But he also recognized that there were many adversaries. And so he reminds the Corinthian people, this is what you're to, you know, be praying for as well. Uh, and I think we need to watch out. That's what prayer does. It keeps us vigilant, keeps us on guard, but it helps us to go also. And we need to know how to do that. 
Father, we thank you for your word and we pray you'd bless it to our hearts this evening and put our faith uh, to our feet as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.